Get in line. What it takes to become a great line producer. Coming up on BTS Raw Chats. This is BTS Raw Chats. BTS Raw Chats. Where real media creators chat after hours. We don't give away raw files. We give you the raw, behind-the-scenes chatter of the photo and video production world. The Raw Chat starts now. Starts now. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God, what a show we have today. (laughs) We are going to be talking about what it takes to become a line producer and for months, Sherry, <laughs> you're, you know it's been a while. I've been wanting this one man to come in and talk with us on BTS Raw Chat. Yes, you have. This is the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> Mark Myers. You're so funny. Thank you so much. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. We are real media creators talking about what really happens within the production industry. We want this show to help others out there learn how to deal with the day-to-day things of what really happens behind the scenes. And with me, no other person in the world to be with than Sherry. Hello. How's it going? So Mark, tell, tell the audience a little bit uh, a back history about yourself. I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. (laughs) Very middle class. Decided that wasn't for me. (laughs) Anyway, got out of there and uh, came down to Florida and then realized I wanted to be uh, in the movie business. So I packed up my uh, bags and my Cavalier, drove out there and broke into the movie business through acting actually first. On every gig that I'd be on, I'd talk to the producer or the director and they I'd be like, I wanna help out. I wanna do more. You know, I wanna do I don't wanna be just an actor, I wanna do more. And so I got a couple couple uh, jobs here and there. And then I remember this one job, because there's these like little ads. I forget the name of the the, the drama log. It's like and then on the back of that in the classifies they'd always have all these ads for like actors and stuff. And so I found this one. It's like, oh, I'll do that. And end up being a with a, a movie called Courting Courtney. And actually, it was a pretty decent movie. A guy from Disney did it, super low budget. I got paid $70 a day, and I was the first AD. I was the sound man. I was the, uh, the second AC who changed the film magazines. No way. In a tent, yes. <laughs> and I got and I was an actor in it as well. So this was be me and Blake. All right, everybody is the first AD. Everybody, everybody get, get ready. Get the roll cameras, camera ready. Oh, yep, here's the film. All right. Oh, I was the sound guy, too. I, did, I <laughs> yes. I'm like, all right, roll sound. All right, sounds rolling. Oh all right, God. everybody go and go. 70 bucks a day, best time of my life. Oh, my that God. It was like three weeks. It was great. Super low budget. And uh, we actually had the DP crew. They ended up being kind of snobby. They were used to bigger budgets and they just weren't liking things. So they actually packed their bags and quit. So the executive producer had to find a DP in one day and he did. And so I learned a lot. His name was Serge Rodnunsky with Rojack Films. He does a lot of B movies. You know, he makes a great living at it. And he found a DP crew replaced in like probably three or four hours. They came out. We just finished shooting. Had a wonderful time. It was awesome. One one wow. backstory is an interesting story. Were you on Baywatch? <gasps> yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> what was your role on Baywatch? <laughs> I was just one of the background lifeguards, small speaking parts, you know, for like three weeks. And I only got that gig because 
I was up for the lead role in Pre-Hysteria 3. You probably never even heard of one or two. Neither did I. <laughs> but anyway, it was a union movie, and I was in the I made it to final call. Actually, so I go, I walk into this room, and and there's literally like 20 other people that look exactly like me. Literally, <laughs> all, all my twins, you know, for this lead. And the casting director comes out he put it he, he looked all around the room and he do, took a double take at me now we all look the same he's like you come here i come in walking shuts the door he's like you got a good chance of making this part so give a good audition i like you a lot and sure enough for some reason they liked me a lot and i got a i went to final callbacks and my agent i wasn't union it was a union gig and so they can get penalized and being a lead role you need a union person because there's, you know, there's 20, there's, there's hundreds of me. Mm-hmm. So you can't, there's not really an exception for that. But if I was a character, if I was hard to find, then they'd probably taft hartly me in there, but they're not allowed to do that. So he got me on Baywatch um, in time, but I still wasn't union. I didn't end up getting a gig, but I got on Baywatch, got my SAG card and then, and then just you know, acted here and there. And then uh, a friend of mine told me that you can make like $200 a day working in commercials as a production assistant. I'm like, 200 bucks a day? I'm like, yeah. It's like, I, cause, and I was a go-getter. So I ended up just busting, busting down the doors. I found this book called the LA 411, which is like a yellow pages for yes. our industry. And just looked up all the produce, line producers, you know, but, and found out production managers are the people that are going to hire the production assistants. And so I just called them all diligently for like a, a month straight between like four o'clock and eight o'clock and went on meetings, ended up getting a, a gig here and a gig there for 200 bucks a day, but with really good people, like the A-list commercial people that are producing the Super Bowl ads, the million dollar ads, just big time, yeah. big time directors and, and, and art directors and DPs. And before you know it, I was working like 20, 25 days a week, you know, wow. and, and I did that for like three months and I, I got a lucky break in this company's uh, production manager left or something and I went straight to production managing and bought my Apple computer and my 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 printer and everything <laughs> and did that off and on for about three years and then started line producing from there and then you know and then now here in. here's the question did you ever go to film school to do any of this no my my, <laughs> my, my film school was like real life I got paid to go to film school Actually, and that's exactly what happened with me too yeah. <laughs> $200 a day by the way I got yeah. paid plenty of money I was making bank <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great, and I learned everything from everybody. And I'm talking, I'm working with like the DPs, director of photographers, that did the Spider Mans with Tobey Maguire back then, the, the original X Men, yeah, Robert Robertson. I mean, these are some major like uh, Stefan Chapsky, Academy Award winning DPs that are doing major motion pictures, and they like to take a break because when they do a DP, their life is gone for like six months. Literally, you're working six or seven days a week on a feature like that. You have no life. You're making lots of money, but they just want to take a break. And when they take a year off, they call their agency. I want to do commercials because they get paid a lot of money for commercials. They show up for like two or three days and then they leave. And it's like, you know, it's really easy for them. So learn from a lot of great uh, DPs and they were so, every one of them were super nice. Like I could ask them any question I wanted. They gave me the answers that, you know, they, they, they were just so professional. They just wanted to give it away, you know, and it's like that's that's who I was around art directors the same way directors everybody it was just just a just the talent out there is just ridiculous and and the most important thing what i've always said throughout the whole shows networking is such a big key 
and this is the, the, this is this is the pro, living you know proof. What I'm saying? This yeah. is the product yeah. you know, yeah. of that. De- you know, definitely. There was one interesting project that I love. When you got me in, you showed me one of, one of like a, a fun type of short uh, movie. He had literally shotguns and and uh like squibs like heart explosions and stuff like that he did an action movie kind of like uh, tell me a little bit about uh, about that that was project it, was that the 48 hour film festival the 48 hour film festival i get, th- I, get festival. I, have I get thrown off the building yes <laughs> yes so, you got you got to tell me that so story it was the second year that ever the it's right when the 48 hour film festival came out it was the second year in its inception and we were in Los Angeles, so we were the Los Angeles ones. And it's like, okay, I was heavy into line producing and production managing at the time, and we did lots of stunts. You know, we had big budget stuff. We were shutting down freeways. We were blowing up stuff. We had stuntmen's all the time. We were it's just just crazy, insane, fun kid stuff. You know, and and so um, I was determined. I, I got my crew together and said, hey, we're going to do the 48 Hour Film Festival this year. We're going to do it. And got my crew together. We're all excited. I go, we're going to put stunts. So whatever we get, we're doing stunts, stunts, and more stunts. <laughs> and so what you do when you go there, at least back then, I don't know what they do now, but I had to get up in front of a crowd of people, hundreds of people, because the representative of your crew, that was me, and all the other representatives would go up there, and they had to stick their hand in a jar and pull out what your genre was. And of course, I'm stunt, stunt, stunt. And of course, I pull out the genre, and you have to read it out loud. I'm like, oh, <clears throat> no. Um, I got the musical. <laughs> and that's exactly what the crowd did. The crowd, so the, all the crowd, just the, the whole crowd laughed out loud at me. So anyway, I'm like, screw that. We're putting stunts in a musical. And so we stayed up all night conceiving stuff. My DP left because it was like 3 a.m. He's like, I'm just tired. I got to go. And me and uh, I hired a couple other directors to help me, uh, you know, direct. I was the producer. I, I kind of oversaw the directors and help them do their thing. And uh, we stayed up and we came up with this, like these little vignettes of, uh, you know, sitting around. Well, how about this? How about this for a musical? And each, how about, how about this idea? We each had four ideas. So we shot four vignettes and the first vignette was like a a mafia guys in a warehouse and the, the victims tied up to a chair and he ends up getting shot, and uh, that was done really well. That's the squib you were talking about, and Brent was awesome. He was like, if it wasn't for him, that scene would not have nearly been as good, and he he knocked it out of the park. It looked really real, and it comes back to me, us, and we're like all around the room again. Okay, that's not a bad idea. That, that, could, be, that could be a musical, but after he shoots him, he sings this song, I don't want to kill anymore. <laughs> I just, and he has a guitar, gets handed to him from nowhere. That's a, and that was a good laughing point, actually, because when the, when the crowd saw that scene in the theater, when we were playing it, they loved it. I'm like, all right, we're, we got this. Yes. We're, the crowd is liking this movie. And yes. then, then I come up I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to do that. We want to do like stunts. It's like, I want to be on a rooftop and then it yes. transfers into a rooftop. We have all these like stuntmen and black ninja shoots and there's like me this blonde long-haired out of shape you know producer type on top of the roof these all these stuntmen taught me how to do things and how to duck and so i would like duck you know it'd be obvious and they would fly like three feet over me and i'm like i'm like and then i'm singing a song too it's like i'm what a i gotta see this i'm like how about shotgun let me have some fun a shotgun comes flying out of nowhere and i catch it and I shoot a couple guys and then I'm throwing people off the roof and you see them going off the roof and then I jump off the roof and it freeze frames oh on God. me with this crazy look on my face. And yeah, and it has a couple more. It was, but that was, that was fun. We actually got the, uh, we won the audience award and we won a couple other awards and 
Uh, we almost won the thing. Uh, the people that won it were from uh, the second, they were a group of, from the second city, Chicago, uh, the laugh company called mm-hmm. second city mm-hmm. they did it they had a really theirs was all perfectly spot on like you had to have like these little you had to put a suitcase somewhere and we had some we had one there but it, it was just there it didn't have much motivation everything was like theirs was scripted really well and i remember wow. him when they, he won he's like jesus the guy that, that won it from second city he comes up he's like god damn I thought I was going to lose to the musical. <laughs> I don't know how we won this, but thank you, musical. You guys rock. <laughs> Can we still find this? Yeah. I have it somewhere. If you look, it's called How About Now, like How About Now. It might be on YouTube. It's somewhere deep buried in YouTube. My, I, I always ask my friend Marlon, who was in it. I've always wanted to do the 48-hour film project. Yeah, it was <laughs> fun. You get some really bad ones. Like for the one bad, and you know, not, not trying to knock on it. I am. I'm not going to because it was just bad. It's like and I felt bad for the uh, the actress. And so it was a they shot this thing. It was going to be a drama. And, and it was like probably like seven minutes long. And she had her crying scene, you know, and she literally cried for like five minutes of the seven minute movie. And it kept going on and on like the Energizer Bunny, you know, it just wouldn't stop to the point where the audience started laughing. And this poor actress is in the, th- is in there. Okay, is that my cue? No, 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 no. That's, that's a little crying. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was a crying shame. <laughs> so yeah, I felt bad for her. So, but a lot of the movies were really good and now they're even better. I mean, they just, they, they, pull some stuff off you know in 48 hours it's crazy absolutely but back to what i was saying it's important to have that networking and the biggest thing before i stepped in he he networked with one of the biggest cinematographers that i've ever had charlie gruet charlie gray charlie (laughs) charlie tell me a little bit like a uh just a tiny smidget of of uh background how you met charlie well charlie and i production assistant together so I've got some great stories, but I don't know if I want to <laughs> share them with you. I don't know if it's like that type of a show, but anyway, um, yeah, we started production system, uh, together and then we just all started doing our own things. And I remember, um, I, I, I raised some money so we could make our first director's reel. And mm-hmm. I, I, I gave some of it to Charlie cause I wanted him to help him out. And he, uh, he directed a, a cool little spec spot for American rag way back in the day. And, uh, so that's how I met him and he's grown into a, an amazing DP He's DP'd for Saturday Night Live. Yep. And he's and, DP'd ooh. for HBO. Yep. Right. Nice. Yep. He's also DP'd many of, of Mark's commercials. What, what's the, um, there's a show about a guy who sells weed and he drives around on a bike. It's yeah. A, it, what's yeah. that show called? It's high, a pretty something. high anxiety. Yeah. High anxiety. He's one of the DPs. He's, he's, he is the DP. Yeah. He's right? one of the DP. I think there's two of them that yeah. share, share the responsibilities. Okay. Okay. At least okay. Yeah. And he did some, he did actually, he did the, uh, I'm just a cook. What's that guy's name? Yeah. <laughs> He's the karate guy. Um, Seagal. Steven Seagal. Yeah, yeah. The Seagal, sheriff, yes. The sheriff thing. In, yes. In shot in New Orleans. He's, I'll tell you something that's really funny. So Charlie gets on. So Steven Skull's like six foot four. Charlie's like five, nine. Yeah. He's short. <laughs> so, uh, but Charlie's talented. So the guy hired um, camera assistants that were super tall that would hold the camera because you wanted Charlie to be in charge of the lighting and the composition and be the DP. You don't have to hold the camera to do that, but you just kind of organize your camera people to do that. So when Steven Skull met Charlie for the first time, he looked Steven right in front of Charlie, looked at his producer and go, what the fuck? Who fired the, who hired the short (laughs) right in front of him? (laughs) So we're going to talk a little bit about line producing after this commercial break.
Sherry Elisa Photography specializes in beautifully styled modern portrait photography, offering professional in-studio photography services to all of Southwest Florida. Push creativity to the next level. Create custom themes that will complement every personality and style. On-site professional hair and makeup is also available. Our studio is conveniently located off US 41 and Boy Scout Drive, next door to the Sam's Club Plaza. Book your spot now with SherryAlisaPhotography.com. And we're back and we're here with the man, the myth, the legend, the line producer himself, Mark Myers. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to elaborate a little bit about what it takes. What is a line producer and what do they do? So a line producer carries a lot of responsibility. Pretty much the line producer is responsible for everything that happens on the shoot. So like, so big budget commercials are commercials and pretty much it goes over into the, the movies too. They're not, they're, they don't do any like creative decision making or writing or telling, talking to the talent, you know, but they work very closely with the director. And so once the director is hired, they get a line producer. So the, the line producer gets whatever the director wants. So line producers in charge of making sure they get the right location. They got the right casting set up and makes the calls to get the talent to get to the meetings. He hires a crew of people to manage the day to day stuff. And he's in charge of like dealing with executive producers or clients like Nike or an ad agency. Uh, he's in charge of getting the storyboards together. So, we, and a, a really good line producer, a director will like let go and say, Hey, we have this job. These are my thoughts. And then just let the line producer actually get creative. If you have a really good relationship with the director, line producer has an opportunity to make some decisions and, and actually even think, you know, make some decisions on the shot, but ultimately they're in charge of the budget. And if anything goes wrong on that set, anything goes wrong on the set, it's the line producer's responsibility. They're in charge of everything, all the money, everything. So they're in charge of hiring everybody. Was there one particular story that you could share that was a nightmare since this is behind the scenes? <laughs> <laughs> was there one particular story? You don't have to name names or right. anything like that. So uh, tell us. Yeah, usually, I usually, I mean, I found a, good group of people so i don't have a lot of i really i don't have a lot of horror stories but i'll tell you a funny one and a quick bat one so it was with the japanese crew once and uh, we had to do this ham commercial and we had to shoot and the, the japanese it's culture so funny. Every, every, every everybody is in the, their culture everybody's afraid to make a decision so they don't make a so what i had to do i had to permit all of North, like I literally permitted ha half of the Calif state of California, Northern California, and half of the state of Oregon, the Southern part of state, because they didn't know where they wanted to go. They just want to go and just like make a decision at the last second. And that's fine. Worked probably like eight, 20 to 22 hour days in a row. Wow. And so I went back, we're fin finished it, brought the budget under like $900,000, like a $2.5 million budget. I brought it in at like 1.6. And when I get back, you know, the people that owned it, you know, I wasn't sure about them, but you know, I'm feeling all the, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all the time cards and I tell my production manager, make sure that you give all the production double days because mm -hmm. everybody else is getting overtime. When you work that long, even though production is not a union gig, it's like, you know, when you work over, it's just understood you get a double day. So I gave all my, everybody seven double days and the owner was like, no, 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 no double days. And I'm like, no, I tried to explain to her what, what, what it was about and why, and why we did that. And she's like, no. And I'm like, okay. So I called up the the, the state labor where the, the labor office and got yeah. the labor laws. And I planted the, the labor laws right in front of her. And I said, I'm going to report you. 
Oh my God. If we, don't, if we don't get this, my crew is getting this and I brought this out. That's ridiculous. So I ended up getting it for him. That job was a nightmare. It was just, we had a water truck fall off the, the side of Lake Tahoe. <laughs> Luckily it was caught oh by the God. trees. No our, our helicopter almost crashed. It was just like, it was just one nightmare after the other, just trying to figure out where we went. It's like, everybody's like, it was a goat rodeo. So that was my, I didn't enjoy that job at all. Of a real funny job, real quick, if I have time, I can yeah, make it like 10 minutes. One, so my, one of my favorite people in the world, he's a location manager, and he still is. His name's David Domingue. He's out in Los Angeles, and we had this, um, we were taking a break from our set. We were in a neighborhood, a nice neighborhood, and then we noticed another film set like two blocks away, and they're all our buddies. You know, we knew them. So it's like, it was like, hey, we're taking a break, like 15 minutes. I'm going to go with Dave, and we're going to go say hi to our, our, our cop friends there and the other line producers that's there and chat with them. So we did, and so this this. Per, this this location manager comes out of nowhere and she's like what are you doing on my set blah, 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 blah. And we're, like, we're just like talking to rob and fritz here they're, they're our cop friends and and it's like and she's like this is cool and line producer ended up leaving because he had to get called back to, to to be on the set and so he just started yelling at my friend david the, oh. my location manager oh my god and and we're like all right and 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 it then she started she went like this she's like you get off my set now to him. <laughs> and he freaked out and he's like he got right he got he gorillaed silverback grilled yeah. up on her like this and be like <laughs> you know what you are you're a, <laughs> you're a <laughs> and just cutted her out and we walked off you know oh like i'm like God. i grabbed him like david you can't do that i don't care what she's doing to you and we walked back and all of a sudden as I get back, I'm like, all right, so I got to go back. And I turn on, here she comes. I'm going to come and crash your set. And I'm like, David, no matter what you do, you do not let this woman near my set. He's like, I got it. So he went to the middle of the street and he did this. Like, you know, oh my and, God. and she bumped into him. And she's like, assault, assault. This guy's assaulting me. And he's not doing any amateur, like spreading it like this, just trying to block her. Anyway, our cops took care of her and got rid of her. Anyway, she called and complained to the executive producers of the production company we were working at. And it's like, and we were a really tight group. So the directors and my executive producer and me as the producer, super tight. We all thought it was hilarious. You know, we, I told them all about it. And we were a bunch of like, we're, we're pretty laid back and loose yeah. and don't mind a little trouble. All yeah. right. Yeah. So, uh, so the executive producer comes and he's like, and there's like two of them, executive other executive producers, like, listen, and at least the owners of the company. I was like, hey, this lady called. You need to call and apologize to her. And David's like, and it's, I'm like, all right, all right, we can do that. And so me and the directors went, like, and you have to call and apologize. Like, That's all you got to do. It's just do that, and we'll be in the clear, and we'll just get get this over. He's like, he's like, okay, fine. So he gets on, and we're all watching. He's on the phone. He's like, hi, this is the. Hi, this is David. And she's like, I know who you are, you piece of shit. Just start yelling. She's like, well, I just wanted to call and say, I'm sorry. She's like, well, I don't accept your apology. Blah, blah, blah. And he clicked again. He's, he's like, you know what? They made me call and apologize to you. I take it all back. Like, like, well, that went well. <laughs> they made me apologize. <laughs> I take it back. Click. <laughs> anyway, to be wow. a, and to be a line producer, you're, the biggest thing with line, you have to babysit everybody. And I'm talking like five to ten agencies sometimes, five to ten clients. Not so much the crew. You got to take care of your crew. But these people, like, they're just ridiculous. So you're always putting out their little personal fires too. Oh, can you make me a nail appointment or, um, you know, can you actually, really? can, can you bring some vodka on the set? Make sure there's vodka on the set at 7am for agency people so they can be drinking at 7am in the morning, but you're responsible for all this. And so 
and it's really a show. And if you're a good line producer, I had fun with it. Like full service salon. I didn't mind doing stuff like that. I did everything. You know, I, I flew in, um, Philly cheesesteak sandwiches from, uh, from Pat's in Philly. You know, you can fly them in for my crew. They That's loved it, crazy. you know? And so it's like, so yeah, it's, it takes a little bit. It's not for everybody and it can get really insane and overwhelming if you're not organized and you don't have people that know how to put out fires that before they even get to you, you don't need to need to worry about, but everything you're responsible for, it's pretty crazy. You know, I didn't, I don't, drink, I don't drink, drink coffee, but a lot of line producers drink coffee just to get the energy. I had that naturally, but yeah. you need a lot of energy. You need a lot of focus. And you got to watch everything. You got to have hot eyes 360 degrees around you because you got to watch everything. And, um, you know, people want to take your job, you know, but, you know, you have to be good enough to be like, yeah, well, then if you're, then yeah, come on, join us and help us out exactly. and take my job. And, you know, it's like, so, but, you know, um, it just takes a lot of, it can be very stressful. You know, it could be really stressful. But if you have a good director and a company and executive producer you're working with, and it's, it's, it's less stressful. And that's, it was not very, it was easy for me. Cause if you, if you had to take one tip, what would you, what would you give somebody that's looking into doing line producing? Well, I, I would say start as a production assistant, you know, learn, learn from the, the ground, you know, what, you know, cause as a line producer, you need to know where, where my, where's my walkie. You need to know how to work a walkie. You know, you need to know that, you know, what truck is carrying what equipment, where to pick up that equipment, you know, you just have, you have to have knowledge of every, since you have to have knowledge of everything and you're responsible for everything that happens on that set, you have to, and you learn that by becoming a production assistant like I did and seeing all the different departments and asking questions and, and being, helping the different departments because then you get to touch the equipment and do things and, yeah. and then work as maybe as a production manager for a little bit or a first AD, you know, but line producing is there's a lot. And if anything goes wrong, it's like, it's all your fault. The, the littlest things, you know, but also That's when everything goes wild. well, it's all your fault too. So. Yeah. Yeah. That is so, wild. And, and the biggest thing you got to learn how to put, to teach your people how to put out fires. I don't want to know about the fire. Put it out before it gets to me. Right. It's like there's we don't judge based on mistake. We judge based on how you fix your mistake. And all the discipline that I've learned was, you know, so so many shoots with you. I've taught I've learned so much from just, you know, being around you. You, you, got, you got to tell us a story about a little Devi and how you guys met. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. yeah, so I'm at Harmon Photo and uh, just moved here from Los Angeles. So I was like still high on LA, you know, and still that producer mentality. I hadn't, I hadn't started directing yet. As a line producer, too, you need to find talent. You got to be able to find talent, DPs, art directors, you, you're in charge. So that is a creative thing that a really, really good line producer can do. You got to find talent and you got to know when someone's talented and not. Wow. And as soon as I started talking to him, I just, I pick up on these things. I'm like, oh no, this is, this guy don't belong here. This guy's way overqualified to be here. Wow. I go, by the way, what are you doing? You know, it's like, I got this shoot. It's going to be a golf show, I think. Yes. And yes. Made him work in the summer, like between like July, <laughs> yes. August and September, humping cameras. And you don't <laughs> see me, but I am the whitest person that you could ever meet. The white Puerto Rican, like, right? My skin is made out of mayonnaise, you know? <laughs> so, so like he's got me out there doing the show because when he came in, he was updating his reel and I saw all these impressive shows, you know, like ping, um, NASCAR like probably was NASCAR, on it. NASCAR, even, Nextel, that's even Netflix, Netflix. Wow. even ne Netflix, Netflix. before yeah. it came Netflix, wow. it was on DVD. Yes. And I was, we were the, I was the line producer on the very, very, very first Netflix commercial ever produced. It was with the squirrel and how to throw a, bo a squirrel. And then one was how to get disposed of a body properly. <laughs> yes. You know, and if yes. you watch Netflix, you'd watch your mafia movies and you know how to dispose of a body properly. <laughs> so I was transferring this DVD over, over to digital and we 
we just sat and talked and, yeah. and that here we are. <laughs> you quit shortly after that, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> it's like you, I helped you because there's some people in my life that have made me realize what my worth is. You yes. know, and it's like it's like he knows what his worth is and and I know what his I knew what his worth was and so I wanted to help guide him as much as possible and I yes. try to do that with everybody and yes. anybody that I might I might meet. And I thank you. I thank You're you. You're welcome. Well thank you for all you've done for me. <laughs> now, segueing, uh, we were talking about uh, the difference between line producing and directing. You okay. wanted to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so as a director, you're in charge of the story. Mm -hmm. You know, a story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. You're in charge of casting that, too. You're in charge of, you know, like, f putting the creative pieces together. Okay, if I have a story, now once I have the story, what person or persons out there are going to be able to best tell that story? Right. And, um, you know, and how are they going to be, and, and are they, they going to have enough depth? Are they going to have the talent to do that? So as a director, you have to, that's the most important thing. Knowing story, working with the writer, knowing how you're going to story tell through that script and casting the right cast that can help you do that mm -hmm. for your vision. Mm -hmm. And so when I do it, it's like I, you know, I'm doing a piece right now. It's like I'm shooting a lot of stuff and the way I do it sometimes is more of improvised. It's like, I just start shooting. I have a general idea what the story is, but now I see the uh, every shot after every shot, how we transition, what's going to be said next, what scene needs to happen. Cause a scene has to lead to a scene that has to lead to a scene it needs to have an arc. Like I said, beginning, middle end. So the difference between a director and line producer is line producers more in charge of the money and the organization and the responsibility for the entire set, including the director, but he doesn't make the, any of the creative decisions, the director and a writer, they make all the creative decisions regarding the story. So story and talent is, is what the director's in charge of. They gotta be able to tell a story really, really well. If there's three recommendations that I could leave anybody with, what would the three recommendations would be? You know, there was a point where I almost gave up. I was in Los Angeles and I literally almost, I, 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 would, I could see myself hanging from a rope that was unraveling and there was one thread left to the rope. But and I was really going to come back, and but somehow I, I took my other hand and I grabbed the other rope and I got myself back up there and I kicked myself in the ass and said, "If I'm going to do this, you got to do it full. How you're going to do it? So, don't ever give up. No matter how, uh, you know, if you if you if you have a dream and you want to do something, don't ever give up. Don't be afraid to ask questions. You will not believe how much success I've had by just asking a question. Even I'm lost, first thing I do is I ask a question. I ask a question I'm I'll, immediately. What, what are they gonna say? No, no, You just then you ask the next person. Get your answers, ask a question, and um, follow your heart, do what you love. Because if you do what you love, you're gonna be really good at it. Yeah, that rope has one little teensy thread left. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm just kinda like, I don't know, do I just let it rip? <laughs> or do I grab on for more rope? That's that's very inspiring. Grab on yeah. for more rope, yeah. man. It's that just, is yeah, very it depends. You know, that's why I say do what you love. If it's something you love and you think it's worthwhile, you, you'll find a way to grab onto that rope. Yeah. Ask. Then I say, like I say, ask. Yeah. Ask. Ask him. Ask me. Ask anybody. All you got to do is. My kids won't ask. I go just ask the people. I don't want to ask them. I'm like, see, I was never afraid to ask, and I asked strangers if I, I just I would ask everybody on the set, hey, what's that? Can you tell me about it? Ask away. You'd be surprised. You could probably could go get a million dollars if you kept asking for money. I mean, that's what homeless people they ask for yeah. money and people give it to them. You know, you just have it's so easy. Just ask. That's wow. true. My grandmother used to say that all the time. Like, if you don't ask, you'll never know. You'll never but get it. But she would also say the worst they could say is no. 
Yeah. And then you just move on to the next person. And they person. rarely yeah. don't. They rarely say yeah. no. You'll That's be surprised crazy. if humanity's pretty cool, actually. That's crazy. You know? And also, if you approach them with a smile and eagerness and like, yeah. and they see that you have some conviction and your intention is good... Why wouldn't they help you, you know? Right. And that's why I'd also say it keeps you away from the selfish people that don't want to help you, that want to try to put keep you right. down. So you learn a little bit about that, too. I like that. I like that. So what's the point of the show? <laughs> Become a line producer. <laughs> exactly. If you want to lose line. your life, if you yeah. want to lose your life, become a line producer. <laughs> the point of the show is get in line. Yeah. Become organized. And don't give up. <laughs> and with that... Thank you very much, Mark Myers. You're Thank welcome. you, Sherry. You're welcome. <laughs> and hopefully we could get you on the show again. Whenever. We'll see. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and that was BTS Raw Chats. Yeah.